This episode is sponsored by Voyager, Electronium, and MyBookie. Stay tuned to hear more about them later in the episode. What's up, everybody? I am Scott Melker, and this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast. Today's guest is a CPA, MBA, and most importantly, the U.S. blockchain leader for Ernst & Young. When it comes to large-scale, real-world blockchain adoption, there's nobody better for us to talk to than Chen. I can't wait to find out the progress and pace of blockchain adoption here in the U.S. and how Ernst & Young is planning to incorporate and proliferate blockchain technology. Chen Zer, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure being here. Thanks so much, Scott. So before we jump into the questions, once again, I'm Scott Melker, and this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast, where twice a week I talk to your favorite personalities from the worlds of Bitcoin, finance, trading, art, music, sports, and politics. The show is powered by BlockWorks Group, a media company with over 20 podcasts in their network. You can check them out at blockworksgroup.io. And if you like the podcast and follow me on Twitter, you need to check out my website. Join my newsletter. You can do both of those things at thewolfofallstreets.io. So now let's dive in. I went to the University of Pennsylvania in the 90s, and Ernst & Young was one of the companies where many of my classmates landed primarily as management consultants. So it seems surprising to me that the company would be so focused on blockchain just with my sort of bias as to what the company does in my mind from that period. So can you talk about what Ernst & Young does exactly? Right. Generally, and then in blockchain, and I'll be brief on the generally, but but I hope it will help explain. So yes, please. Ernst, Ernst and Young is, is basically doing three, three, three or four things, depending how you, you slice and dice it. But the, the main thing that we do is, of course, audit the financial books and results of companies. The uh, next adjacent thing would be uh, work on the tax returns and tax for for our clients and and the last but but not least definitely uh, in in recent years uh, one of the largest parts is is consulting and inside consulting there's as you said management consulting and strategic consulting uh, there's business consulting but there's an ever growing piece of technology consulting and um, as as the world evolves uh, you know no surprise the the technology takes a larger larger part of everything we do and the last uh, uh, you know covid crisis isn't different it's just uh, emphasizing this and making it even stronger and as such Ernst and Young has been investing in technology consulting for many many years um, at least as far as as I joined EY 20 years ago and and a uh, long time yes um, and and um, this uh, this trend is is only getting stronger and stronger. We do all kinds of technology consulting. Some of it uh, is is directly related to innovative technologies, like robotic process automation would be another example, uh, blockchain or uh, artificial intelligence. And when we dive into blockchain, uh, and and when we discuss discuss the profound change that that this technology would bring to all the rest of what uh, Ernst & Young does. For example, the way we audit financial uh, results and reports on them, the way tax is being uh, calculated and, and paid, everything is going to be influenced by blockchain and, and therefore the uh, large commitment, all the big four, specifically EY, has to this technology, it's going to dramatically change the way we work 
in our entire business, if you ask me at least, uh, over the course of the next 10 years. So how long has uh, EY been looking at blockchain technology specifically? I know you mentioned you have a technology consulting group, but at what point in the history of this with the, the rise of Bitcoin, just to give us some context, when, when did you realize or did the company make that commitment and say, this is the future, this is how we need to proceed? So I, I would say this, this uh, uh, initial interest in blockchain technology is, is around at least five, six years old. Uh, really? And so, so fairly early on, uh, at, the, at the time it was just another technology among others. Uh, but as time progressed, and I would assume 2016, 17, uh, when, when blockchain really erupted, then, then EY started uh, dedicating uh, uh, more and more resources and partners to deal with this technology directly. At least when I started, it, it started as a hobby, not as something EY uh, uh, directed me to focus on. Um, and I think I'm not different from, from the others who are uh, dealing with this technology. And, and as this evolved, then, then we made it our, our day job as well. Makes sense. So it's interesting because 2016, 2017, obviously, was when we saw sort of this massive run in cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we saw altcoins, ICOs, this huge boom in, in Bitcoin, of course, and then a bubble pop. But that's not really what you're talking about here, right? Right, right. So, so thank you for this question. Very relevant question. Uh, cryptocurrencies are a part of what blockchain technology is. But blockchain has the potential uh, uh, and, 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 and the future to be much, much more than that. Um, so in short, and, and we can develop this discussion further, but in short, if the internet is uh, you know, uh, uh, the best means to exchange information uh, uh, digitally, then blockchain would be in the future uh, uh, the internet of value or the best way to exchange value between organizations, that's much, much larger than, than just cryptocurrencies, of course. That's interesting. I've never heard the term uh, the internet of value, but that's extremely interesting. I, I love yes. that. Can you please dive into what yes. that means? Because I think everybody yes. will hear that and so, have a little light bulb. So, yes. So, so, let, let's think about it uh, in, in the following way. If you think about the way humanity manages value all throughout history, then, uh, then let's go to a small village with a, a running stream of water in the middle. Uh, you have chicken, I have goats. Probably the water that we both uh, drink and use don't have value because they're abundant. All we need to do is go to the middle of the village and just take, take water from there. Water will, ha will have very low value. Uh, um, the chicken, the goat, they have one thing in common, they are both scarce. And, and in these early days, we would probably barter between us and that's how the uh, 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 value and economy worked. We exchanged things of scarcity. When, when uh, uh, bartering became too complex as we evolved, we moved from, from exchanging and bartering to putting our value in precious metals. Uh, and, and this is what we exchanged. Same thing is kept. Why precious metals? Because they are scarce. 
when carrying precious metals around became too complex, too dangerous, what we did is put precious metals in the banks and issue notes against them. And then we carried notes around exactly the same thing. Notes are scarce, therefore they have value. They represent precious metals in the bank. Uh, um, and, and that's true up to the 1970s, right? So we just, <laughs> through entire history, we had the situation where precious metals are kept in the bank and we have by now dollar notes or what's called fiat currency, uh, uh, backed up by governments, backed up by gold, uh, and, and they are all scarce. At, at the 1970s, this connection between fiat currency, the notes themselves, the paper itself that is up to now worthless, it represents gold, is, is broken. And, and now that the fiat currency, the notes are just representing the um, commitment of the government to, uh, uh, to honor them and, 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 and as a source of value. There's, if I give you a $100 bill, there's one thing that is constant, one thing didn't, didn't change all throughout history, if I give you a $100 bill, you know I didn't get to keep a copy. $100 bills are scarce. Enter the, the uh, digital era and the internet with it. It is an amazing tool to exchange information. Uh, it is an amazing tool, to, for example, to have this conversation between us. But when I send you an email, send you a picture, I by definition send you a copy of what I have. So while amazing at sharing information, not good at managing scarcity. I can, digital things, I can copy paste, easy. So I cannot manage value with them. So does that mean we still use paper notes? Does that mean that we don't use the internet and digital in order to exchange value? Of course not. The way we do it is through middlemen that make sure that value is Kept, is, is kept scarce and, and, and what I mean is for me to today move $100 bills to $100 to you digitally, I can either use a credit card, uh, you know, Venmo, PayPal, a bank, wire, ACH. One thing is always in common. There's a middle party that would make sure that I'm credited and you are debited or the other way around, doesn't matter. But always we would have this entity keeping value scarce. Enter blockchain. Finally, this was a very long-winded introduction. I love it. Blo blockchain has the ability to manage digital scarcity, trusting the code rather than middlemen to do it. So if you think about Bitcoin, there's one thing The Bitcoin is an example of all cryptocurrencies for that sense have a piece of code that control that if I transfer a Bitcoin to you, my credit, uh, my wallet, let's say, is credited, your wallet is debited. The code makes sure every Bitcoin, or for that uh, matter, every token exists on the network only once, and we get digital scarcity, and we can manage value digitally. So no double spend problem. No double spend, exactly. So when you talk about the internet of value, you're, you're, you're talking about the provability of scarcity in all of these transactions, which can then be leveraged for the different aspects of your business. So 
what are the different aspects of your business where you see blockchain becoming a key, a key factor? Also, I guess after that, we can go into where does it just not work? And what yeah. applications that we see everybody talking about for blockchain or nonsense. So, but let's start with the ones that are actually <laughs> useful. Where does it work? Anything that of value would be relevant if it is the ownership over assets, if it is the ownership and exchange over inventory, uh, the ownership over intangibles as well. It doesn't matter. So let's, let's take an, a, a few fun, quick examples. If instead of exchanging uh, um, um, I'll build on the example I gave. Usually when, when I pass $100 to you, it's not a gift. It's an exchange of something of value that you have. So let's, let's build on this example. Let's say that you have a car and I want to buy it for $100. The way terrible, you would car. Do it, terrible car. Terrible <laughs> car. Yeah. A toy car. No, a, a, a toy car. car. We perfect, would need, we, no, no, no. We would need the car in yeah. a minute. So the way, we, the way we, we would do it today is go to the DMV. I would either wire you the money or give you cash, and we would use the DMV to record, to keep the record of who owns the car, because what we never want happening is that there's two owners for the same car, right? Again, always this, uh, the car has value, and therefore the owner, uh, it's scarce, the owner needs to be one, or, or at least the ownership needs to be split. The same thing we would do, or, or maybe a sentence before, the DMV acts here as a middleman in order to make sure that there's only one owner per car. Um, what we would do with blockchain for in, in that specific example is generate a token. The DMV would generate a token that represents the ownership of the car. This token is, you don't need to understand, sounds like a scary word, the only thing you need to understand about a token is that it is unique. It exists only once in, in, across the entire network, and this specific token represents the ownership over your car. And when we want to exchange value, I would deposit, let's say, the 100 digitized dollars, and I'm now moving from, from uh, uh, cryptocurrencies to uh, digital fiat, right? And, and we can speak about that in a minute. I would deposit my 100 tokens representing $100 to a smart contract. You would deposit the ownership over the car. A smart contract would wait, for example, for a third party like a garage making, you know, the checks that the car is in good condition. Once the third party gives the thumbs up, something we would do manually today, the smart contract would exchange the value, no need for a middleman. So the escrow right? agent, the smart contract the becomes escrow, the escrow Yes, yes, exactly. And, and, but it is a digital escrow agent. It does not take commission, definitely not anything in the scale uh, that, right. that uh, a physical escrow agent would take, uh, especially if we have large deals, it could be inventory as well. It could be basically anything. And, and the smart contract would manage the exchange of good ownership tokens and fiat currency tokens, and we would exchange in that way. That touches everything, basically. Now, if you want to build on this example, maybe you made profit by selling the car. Maybe you, are, you need to pay taxes on that. So the smart contract, which is only a piece of code, could 
את המינימום report this automatically to the tax authorities, את ה-more advanced stage would take the hundred dollars that I just paid, take five and move it directly to the tax authorities, no reporting, no something at the end of the year, definitely for indirect tax, the future is automatic indirect tax payment. That would imply that the IRS doesn't want us to just have to go through the exercise of guessing what we owe them when they already know, which is to me the most absurd thing that I do every <laughs> single year, but I guess that's tangential. Um, that's to interesting me, because- by the way, before I ask you a question, yeah. if, if I may, to me, once governments understand the potential of, and, and there is a government who already understands that, it's called the government of China, Yeah. Uh, but once governments understand the potential of moving away from manual currency to digital currency and what it means to the basis of tax collection, to the level of effort it would take in order to have much more accurate and larger tax collection, they would become the largest advocates to this technology rather than the largest uh, resistance to it. Isn't that a little scary, though? Uh, central bank digital currency. I mean, I guess we can go there we, and circle back on what we were talking about before, but I love talking about central bank digital currencies. Obviously, they're more efficient. They're better for governments. <laughs> they're a dream for a central bank to know exactly where the money supply <laughs> is and everything happens faster and you can incorporate smart contracts, as you say. But as a, citizen, as a citizen, yeah, big brother, no more, you know, no more private transactions, no more cash. And... No more choice about your taxes. Like you said, it just is removed from your account, right? <laughs> what, what if you had an so, expense that's, yeah, so go into that. Yeah, so, so let, let's, let's talk about what they are, and then, and then uh, I will explain at least how I see uh, these things. Perfect. So cent central bank digital currencies are the, the blockchain version of printing money Uh, the way we know it today, right? So right. CARES Act is, is a perfect example. Uh, the US government is printing trillions of dollars uh, and, and distributing, distributing them out of thin air, right? The, the, it's just printing magic. dollars on, on, on magic, right? Not even on paper, <laughs> right? Uh, on blockchain, what you would do is mint, the, the word would be mint, the dollars as tokens to exist on a public network. And, and then the citizens could, could use these tokens. Think about a, a stimulus check that arrives your, at your wallet at the press second. of a button yeah. um, without the lawyers, bankers, accountants, and so many other middlemen in the process that all do very important work. I'm not taking that away today, but they all take very nice chunks out of this money just because they need to give a service, et cetera, et cetera. They are closer to the plate. I, I don't want to go there deeper, but you understand the level of efficiency and, and, yep. and disruption when all these layers of middlemen simply go away. So back to central bank uh, digital currencies, the US Treasury, instead of printing dollars on paper, prints dollars or mints tokens, puts them in circulation, and they represent dollars one-to-one. -one. Um, that central uh, bank digital currency, 
Now to the, to the big brother tax collect, uh, collection question. I pay my taxes. Same. On time. Same as you, same as most of the people. There are those who don't, right? Or, or, or who, who are more flexible with that. There's a fine balance. First of all, that's illegal to do. It's just easier today than in the future. And, and big brother in that regard will only enforce the law. Um, as for the privacy aspect of things, I want to introduce a notion real quick of zero knowledge proof. The government does not need to know the, you know what, when I think of it, I, I could counter your argument and, and flip it. Using code to pay taxes would also mean that the government needs to know less about the, the nature of the transaction. As That's long true, as because they, they just care that they're getting their money. They don't care exactly what the transaction was. They don't care that it was a car. They just care that that $5 was removed. And exactly. Sent and and in that sense, as long as they, they trust the code, they don't need to know. And my uh, freedom and privacy is kept at a high, done right, right? There's a big chance that, you know, all these things are, are there's two sides to this coin, but done right, this actually could increase privacy rather than, than decrease it. Also, I mean, it's sort of waxing poetic to even discuss it as like some theoretical eventuality. It's coming. This it's is like coming. Central bank digital currencies are the, the future of money. I think it's just important, and you made it. The differentiation is that it's still fiat currency, just in a digital form, and you right. know, it just makes it easier for them to print money. It doesn't naturally become a crypto <laughs> cryptocurrency or deflationary or any of the things that many of us, you know, uh, love about Bitcoin. And and China is already, like you said, they're way ahead. It's happening. Well, we're gonna be we're gonna be behind, wouldn't you say? Oh, oh I, I, I just had the chance to be to visit Shanghai a few years ago, and and already without relation to blockchain, the, the private citizens there already are not allowed or disencouraged, I don't know exactly how it works, to use a cash money. And the way they move money around and make transactions is using their all-powerful WeChat, right, yeah. that does everything. It also moves the money in transparency to the government. Of course, privacy uh, in China is very different, but bottom line is, if you do that, black market economy, uh, drug deals, weapons, anything you could think of that is bad becomes so much harder to execute uh, because now money is digital and at least some of this transparency exists to the government. Again, it does not mean that, that private citizens lose their privacy uh, because of that. It's really interesting. So... I want to go back. We were talking about all the things that blockchain is great for. Um, yeah. But I think that then at least the sort of crypto community in the world that's very passionate about it jumps probably way ahead to things that maybe it's not ideal for. Actually, I've heard arguments, you know, a lot of people say we should be voting on the blockchain. It would be provable. But then there's a lot of arguments why that wouldn't work. So are there examples of things where you've heard sort of the idea of using blockchain floated that are just somewhat uh, not ideal? Uh, I, can, I, I can talk about five 
tests that, that I, I, when I think about what, what makes a good blockchain use case versus a, a not so good blockchain use case. Perfect. And, and, and I can talk about the why as well for each test. So first and foremost, does the use case include multiple parties? If, if a lot of use case I get, uh, I'll give an example, a managed treasury for a single large entity is, is a use case I heard a while back. If it's one entity, honestly, you don't need a blockchain. Just use a central database. It would be cheaper, faster. If you think about blockchain, what we're doing is taking the information and multiplying it many, many times in order to generate trust. So no one party could, could influence the data. If there's only one party involved, you don't need a blockchain. The second thing is trust between the parties. That's the second question. If there's no trust issues, then you don't need a blockchain. Blockchain is replacing the trust you today, we today have with each other with trusting a piece of code. So having a trust issue in your use case, critical. The next thing that makes a very good blockchain use case is the exchange of value. As we said, blockchains manage tokens, manage scarcity. If your use case and voting is, is, you know, a borderline example, there's a few others, there's no value exchanging hands. I'm not saying an absolute no, but a weaker use case, you would need to have a very strong resonating yeses to the other things because voting, for example, there's no value unless you start you know saying that every existential vote. value right the, yeah. the importance yeah. of a single yeah. vote right of course which yes. we know is not important yes. so. <laughs> the next the next uh, um question in that regard is complex business logic the notion of our ability using a blockchain to agree and i'll give an example in a second but our ability to agree on business logic put it in a code that exists equally for both or, or multiple parties and all parties get to check the code once, they know it hasn't changed and therefore they trust that as long as the right parameters are entered to the code, the result will be something that they agreed to. That is a key component of, of, of a good blockchain use case. I will give an example. It will also help uh, explain the, the last uh, test. So an example would be something we are currently doing with Microsoft uh, and, and its Xbox community. And the, the use case that I find extremely interesting and simple to explain is when, when, when let's say, when my son goes and buys a FIFA 2019 it on Xbox, it costs uh, uh, $60 and he will pay these $60 to Microsoft but then Microsoft need to distribute the money, for example, for example, to EA for distributing the game. So out of the 60, 10 go to uh, EA. The way this is done today is, or done before the blockchain, is using Microsoft is, is taking the information from its sales systems. It, Microsoft is doing the calculation. They are distributing the calculation. Everybody check the calculation. They give the thumbs up. 45 to 70 days later, EA would get their $10. What we've done is 
take the pre-agreed agreement that says out of every dollar EA is entitled to X, we put it on a smart contract, we connected the smart contract directly to the Microsoft sales system, systems, I should say, there, there are quite a yeah. few of them. And if I'm now EA, I sit on an equal copy of the calculation that I checked. I sit on an equal copy of the data. So as long as I believe Microsoft is not manipulating their own source sales data, I automatically believe the result dropping the 45 to 70 days to a couple of minutes, literally. Mm. Right. Now, and eliminating mm-hmm. all of the middlemen, eliminating all of those salaries, elim- eliminating all of that friction. I, I would say making them f- focus on added value. So for example, <laughs> no, 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 I'm serious here. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah, a consultant right. a little bit. Yeah. So, but, but I'll give you an example. So, in today's world, these people were on the EA side, mainly focused on reconciling the information. Now they can drive insight for, try to drive insight from the data they have the time rather than reconcile. Let, let me, there's one thing I wanna, I wanna talk about uh, in a minute and that how ERP connects to all of this. I think it's, it's extremely interesting, but, let me finish the, the, the thought on the tests. So test number four was uh, that we have complex business logic between the parties. Test number five that is really important in terms of blockchain use cases is the size of the ecosystem. If it's just Microsoft and EA, they are much better off preparing an, an API between them or an interface between them and, and, and being done with it, it would cost a fraction. But if you think about the fact that there's an extended network here, meaning the $10 that reached EA, don't stop with EA. They need to pay uh, FIFA, the soccer organization for royalties, and, and which on their turn would pay Ronaldo. His face is all over the cover of FIFA 2019. He gets royalties as well. Uh, so Ronaldo is rich. He, he, he doesn't mind waiting, you know, 70 days and 70 days and 70 days. So waiting for about six months or more just to receive uh, his due royalties. But if I'm the artist who contributed the voice to the game, I'm not as rich as Ronaldo. I also get the royalties at the end of this chain. What if I could get these royalties and trust them in minutes instead of six months. So the last test is this extended network applicability. If it's a small network, I could solve these issues in in other ways. If we are talking about an extended network that needs to exchange value between it, now we have a good blockchain use case. That makes perfect sense. I know there was something you wanted to dive into there that you took yes. note on, so please feel free. Yeah, so the question that, that I'm asked is, how do we see this technology, or you're asking as well, how do we see this technology impact the world of business? And in order to understand that, you need to, to let's go, we won't go to the dawn of history this time, only 40 years back in time, to the day before, days before ERP. 
an organization ERP enterprise uh, planning uh, enterprise resource planning uh, uh, systems like SAP uh, Oracle I had the, the pleasure of working with both uh, I also worked for for not the entire 20 years where EY I worked for SAP uh, some of the time uh, just um, so if you go to the days before ERP an organization would run an inventory system, a manufacturing system, financial system, HR system, etc., etc. A management meeting would be a bunch of managers coming together, each with their own report, and now they need to reconcile the information between them. That would be the most of the time spent. Um, ERP came into the world and put the entire business, meaning master data, business processes, reports, on a single platform, and now a management meeting these days is no argument over the data and much more time can be spent on what do we do about it and, and analyze it. That's what ERP did. But ERP's limitation is the fact that it is siloed. It exists within my organization. My customer would run their own ERP. My supplier would run their own ERP. At best, we have some kind of interfaces between them that are one-offs, definitely not scalable. Blockchain and the potential of blockchain is to do what ERP did to the single organization only on an ecosystem level. I can put now business processes, master data and reports on an ecosystem level rather than a single company level. And now I, I, I will have the option to do, think about an annual demand planning uh, as, as a manufacturing organization that sees end customer demand and raw material supply. Uh, these are things that think about the, the level of efficiency in inventory levels. When we have that level of transparency and, and one maybe big caveat, it does not mean that everybody sees everything. Right? It means that anyone that is entitled to see something can see it and trust it. So like that, that, that makes perfect sense. That is the big change that, that the big next step in, in enterprise systems evolution that blockchain would bring. Sick of paying ridiculous fees to trade crypto? It's time you try Voyager. It's hands down my favorite place to buy and trade crypto and it's 100% commission free. Voyager gives you easy access to more than 40 top crypto assets, and you can instantly transfer cash from your bank accounts. So you never miss a trading opportunity. Even better, you can now automatically earn interest on your crypto holdings. Currently, they are offering 6.5% interest on Bitcoin and 9.5% on USDC. Yes, you heard that correctly, 9.5% interest. And there are no limits or lockups, so your funds always stay liquid. Find out why so many people are making the switch to Voyager. Visit investvoyager.com or search for Voyager in the iTunes or Google Play Store and get $25 in free Bitcoin when you use the promo code SCOTT25. That's S-C-O-T-T-2-5. Sick of paying ridiculous fees to trade crypto? It's time you try Voyager. It's hands down my favorite place to buy and trade crypto and it's 100% commission free. Voyager gives you easy access to more than 40 top crypto assets, and you can instantly transfer cash from your bank accounts. So you never miss a trading opportunity. Even better, you can now automatically earn interest on your crypto holdings. Currently, they are offering 6.5% interest on Bitcoin and 9.5% on USDC. Yes, you heard that correctly, 9.5% interest. And there are no limits or lockups, so your funds always stay liquid. 
Find out why so many people are making the switch to Voyager. Visit investvoyager.com or search for Voyager in the iTunes or Google Play store and get $25 in free Bitcoin when you use the promo code SCOTT25. That's S-C-O-T-T-2-5. Using Bitcoin is the easiest way to bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. Make your first deposit with Bitcoin and MyBookie will instantly double it up to $1,000 to add excitement to all the Thanksgiving NFL action. Use your bonus to wager on props, parlays, and teasers all weekend long. New Bitcoin depositors will also be automatically entered in the Crypto Rewards Program where you will receive cash back, huge bonuses, and exclusive promotions until the end of the season. Don't forget Turkey Day Free Play is coming this Thanksgiving Thursday. This is your opportunity to bet up to $250 risk-free on the early Thursday game. Pick the right team and you win. If your team's upset, your bet's refunded before the afternoon game. You can't lose. Celebrate the holidays with MyBookie, the exclusive home of the Crypto Rewards Program and Turkey Day Free Play. Use promo code SCOTT, that's S-C-O-T-T, and double your first Bitcoin, Litecoin, or Bitcoin cash deposit today. It really sounds like it fixes everything <laughs> for, for big businesses. It's really incredible. But I want to touch on something you said before. You gave the example yeah. of us uh, exchanging a $100, uh, $100 transaction for our very cheap car. Yeah. Um, and you touched on the fact that I send in my hundred dollars, you send in proof of ownership of the car, but we still need a third party to validate, um, the mechanic, you know, that the mm -hmm. car is in working shape, that it's a fair deal. So obviously we want to eliminate that third person, which is where anyone in, you know, this space understands chain link and band protocol and all of these sort of oracles, right? So how do we verify the data and make sure that it's a fair transaction between the two when you start talking about these massive enterprise systems. Yes, so I, I wanna say something about eliminating, eliminating the third party. The way I see third parties, there, there's two kinds, at least for, for, for this uh, discussion's sake. There is the third party that, oh, oh, let's take an example, a bank. A bank makes, uh, uh, makes the, its money from two separate things. One, the fact that uh, they bring value to the process. And the other is because they are the trusted middlemen. That's two different things. Right. We, let's go back to the, to, to the escrow example. Many times escrow also includes a line of credit. Mm -hmm. When a bank gives a line of credit, this is bringing value to the transaction and therefore I don't see that part going away. So that's the, the mechanic. Bank, that's the mechanic. The, 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 it's, it's more than the mechanic. This is philosophically important to understand. When the third party, that's the mechanic. Yes, now I, I see what you mean. In the yeah. garage, yes. He he's, not, he's, not, he's not facilitating the physical transaction. Exactly. He's adding the value of his expertise to verify that there's trust. Exactly. That should be trusted. That's the mechanic, yes. And, and the DMV in this story, we go and stand in line for these days, five, six hours in line, just so we have a middleman that will make sure that, that, that we exchange ownership. This can go away. It's right. two okay. very different distinctions. Middlemen that bring value to the process, they're not going anywhere. On the contrary, when, when we, we have more resources to spend on good quality middlemen that bring value, we would be able to pay them more and, and the money, you know, they ask me a lot, all these big ideas, who will fund them? Why would, why would organizations pay for them? 
I believe that the amount of money that is going to be saved by removing yeah. the middleman from the equation will be 10x the number that, that, that would need to implement this system. And isn't it like moving your data to the cloud from the old way of having like a server farm and your basement yes. and all these guys and down there? I mean, that's the, literally the example we use to explain this the way 10 years ago, a little bit more, 15 years ago, if you would come to a CIO and tell him you need to run your ERP systems on the cloud, he would tell you, you are insane. No yeah. way in hell. 2017 was the first year where more ERP implementations were delivered on the cloud than on-premise. And since then, you know, it's a landslide to no one does on-premise anymore unless you're, you know, a government uh, military agency or something. So I guess Amazon doesn't just make money selling books. No, a few other things. <laughs> I guess their web services are a significant part of their business. So what's interesting to talk about, when we talk about transferring ownership of something like a very, a car, right? So that, that's a, a single item mm -hmm. that we're using a smart contract for basically an NFT, correct? Like then we're talking about non-fungible tokens. Correct. We're not talking about like something that's been printed in mass. It's just one token for this very specific item. So obviously in the crypto space, we see the proliferation of NFTs for art, but Absolutely. we know that there's so many more applications for NFTs that people aren't thinking about, right? Is that what we're talking about here? Yes, exactly. And let me give you a, a cool example. So one of our clients is, is a large uh, Italian winery, and they sell a lot of their wine in the Far East. The problem they have is that uh, in a research they did, they found that about 20%, meaning one out of five bottles they sell, are forged. Yeah, I pour and, out and that, some and pour the other in the bottle, so, put the so cork in it, and who knows? That's a problem, right? So what we're doing about it is, is putting a QR code on every wine bottle. This QR code is one-to-one is -one linked to a non-fungible token. And as these uh, wine bottles get scanned, of course, we know how to uh, create a larger token that contains all these bottles in a box and then a shipment, et cetera, et cetera. What we get is not just an end-to-end -end supply chain, but we get the customer's ability using the this, this cell phone to just scan the label just before he buys the wine and see the entire history all the way from my winery to, the, 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 to his hands and know that this is an original bottle. It is extremely hard to... I always get the question of, can't we just fake the QR code? No, you can't. Or the just switch QR the wine. <laughs> Same so, bottle, okay. different wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Same bottle, different wine. Yes, but not on mass scale. Right. You would need to purchase all these yeah. bottles. Right. Empty them, refill them with cheaper wine, seal them, and hope that, uh, you know, even the most basic trend analyzing uh, AIs that, that now the, the winery has has visibility to don't pick up on the fact that that you are uh, recycling bottles so because cra crappy scam it would be a crappy scam right. crappy <laughs> scam let me give you another way where this is a, a, a great tool to to fight illegal stuff let's say that as the winery i i sell 
the wine $50 a bottle to, to the Chinese uh, uh, importer and $100 a bottle to the Japanese importer because they have more buying power. So a smart Japanese imp importer would just take the wines, parallel import into uh, a smart China. Chinese okay. import into Japan and sell it in 75. But when I as the importer or uh, as the winery start getting scans of wine bottles, I know they went to China. Appearing in mass scale in Japan, I know that uh, I'm, I'm fighting parallel import. Now the parallel import already exists, but this is an easy way to, to identify it. It's interesting because in the art world, obviously, people I think don't understand. They think the art is the NFT, but in this example, as you're giving, it's important to understand that the, it's the proof that's the NFT. It's the document that says it's real. The art itself is not the NFT, correct? It's really the provenance, the document that says, this is the person that owns this and it's one of a kind. The art itself is not tokenized. Is, I would say that it, it's a little bit more than that. It's the chain of custody all the way from the original artist or, or the point where the art was validated and tokenized all the way to my hands. If, if something fishy is going on with this artwork, you would not be able to prove a, a coherent chain of custody, right? So as you said, it's the provenance and we see it mostly right now in, in food and pharma where it is important to know yeah. that you are using the right medicine or, or you are consuming food that you know where it came from. By the way, it's, it's less strong in the US. It's much, much stronger in Europe. I would say something about um, the eating habits of the Americans versus the Europeans, right? They <laughs> care much more what goes into their mouths. And therefore, this is where we see QR codes on chicken, on mozzarella cheese, on wine, as I said, on, on many, many products where the Europeans care enough to scan and see this chain of ownership and how this chicken, when uh, you know, it was uh, 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 processed and uh, that it was kept in, a, in a, what we call cold chain, right? So, so kept refrigerated and arrived fresh into my hands. I believe that also in the US, this is a muscle we need to uh, exercise a little bit, but also here, we would see more and more demand towards this, I wanna see where my food came from. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense and it's so interesting. And Americans just have horrible taste in food. <laughs> I think it's fair, fair, fair to say that we're not the healthiest of, uh, healthiest of human beings on the planet, but I guess we don't need to, to go down that road. So you guys are committed, obviously, to blockchain. You've laid out countless use cases, obviously, for this that are going to change you know, business uh, in the future. Do we get to a point where blockchain becomes as essential, important as the internet and, you know, the technology behind yourself, VOIP and the technologies behind your cell phone? And do we just, does it become so universal that it's what's running almost everything and nobody even realizes it's there, like your phone or your email or the internet? Nobody thinks about how they work. They just use them. I, I, I'm biased, but, but if you ask me, 
it's an it's not a question of if it's when. a question of when right, right. if this is, this makes so much sense uh, the, and, and, and there are a lot of limitations still we can talk about that in a second but as of every technology you know and and Moore's law that exists for so many years we are evolving in a very very fast pace and it is really a question of when uh, where we our experience and, and this is already something that that is today you know in our use cases let's take the wine for example you interact with your phone you, there's no there's you don't right. know you don't need to know there's a blockchain running in the background exactly. just and and do we see this become uh, the majority of business deals in the future we're talking about seven ten years into the future but but I would bet yes. I agree. I mean, I, I agree. It's just interesting to hear you say it. And I don't think it's a bias. I think it's just, how can you not? Educated guess, let's call it. Yeah. <laughs> For somebody with uh, probably a better knowledge and more information than most. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put my bet on your uh, educated guess. Thank you. So let, let's talk about limitations for a second. Because, because you know, a, a, there's a lot of buts. And, and, and one example is privacy, right? On a, let, let, let's maybe one step back. There's two kinds of blockchains, private blockchains, private permissioned, where you control who joins the network and public blockchains where everybody who wants can join. If you ask where we see this future where everything and everybody interacts using a cell phone, it is probably in the public blockchain world. The problem with public blockchains, two main things is one, performance, and two, privacy. So performance is, or, or let, let's, in, inside performance, there's a, a lovely uh, uh, argument about the energy consumption uh, it would take to run all these transactions on a blockchain. We all know Bitcoin today is a large energy consumer. But what you need to understand is the reason Blockchain, Bitcoin is such an, a large energy consumer is the method in which we validate transactions, which is like many things initial. It is called proof of work and you need to use a lot of compute power, uh, ergo electricity in order to approve transactions. But as we evolve, we find better ways to approve transactions that are dramatically 99% more efficient already than, than proof of work. For one example that is very relevant is proof of stake. stake. In order, right, in order to approve transactions, you need very similar to the banking system. You need to put a large deposit. You would lose if you are a bad actor. And according to the size of the, your deposit is the amount of random transactions you would get to approve. Once we move into proof of stake, and we're talking about weeks, not even months, hopefully, in Ethereum at least. Yeah, um, it's coming. It's coming. We are talking about a 99% more efficient in terms of an F uh, energy. Uh, and, and there are, we won't go into the technical details, but there are multiple efficiency uh, uh, improvements. Again, think about Moore's law. We, uh, we are, are every 18 months 
you know, I, I don't know if anyone did this calculation on blockchain, if it's not too early. We are definitely gaining these, these gains in, in efficiency. For so, parabolic, yeah. Yeah, so that's one thing. And, and the other large issue is privacy. And, and, and this is interesting, especially to me, because while EY leaves the scaling issues to others, in privacy, we take the driver's seat. We're not waiting for things to happen. We employ a, 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 a large group of mathematicians working on these zero-knowledge proof a, a, a protocols that would enable us and already are enabling us to exchange. So let's go to the car example. We don't want everybody to know that the car is shit and I paid $100 for it. And we don't even want to know that we have anyone to know that we have made these transactions. I remind you the tax authority is taking care of. We already have the ability to exchange the car token and the dollar tokens in complete privacy over the public networks. This is called Nightfall as an example. Right. We have the ability to uh, execute business logic in privacy over the public network. What the network would know, back to the beginning of what we said, is that we did not spend, double spend value. We can prove that. You don't need to know what we exchanged. As long as one token left your wallet and came to my wallet, and $100 tokens left my wallet and came to your wallet, the network needs to know that the sum of these transactions is zero. Zero. They don't need to know what moved. And, and this is not science fiction. This is already working. Um, of course, it needs to be improved and enhanced and blah, blah, blah. But we are not talking science fiction here. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So it is going to be the, the future. I think it's, it's pretty clear. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm curious then going back to sort of the third party oracles, will you, will, will these be employing these existing oracles or is it a sort of a situation where case by case they're going to have to, you know, create or invent their own third party to verify that the information can be trusted? I, I, I think that it will be, uh, there will be many, many types of oracles. If you look at Chainlink, uh, as an example, right? Anything that cannot be disputed, like what was the temperature, what is the temperature uh, in New Jersey currently outside, right? There's, there's a, a formal body that, that uh, measures and, and, and publishes this information. They can be an automatic oracle. If we have, a, hmm, let's take a real example. Um, I'm in Jersey, and uh, it usually snows here, although less and less in, in recent years, I understand. But, but it snows, and I need to – I enter a contract with uh, the, the contractor who clears my driveway out of snow. The way this works, this contract works, we, we don't argue about when he came and when he didn't come. He makes, clear the he makes sure the driveway is clear, and he bills me according to the – amount of days it snowed above an inch, let's say, during the, the, the winter season. This is a classic use case for a smart contract using an oracle. The days it snowed above, above an inch in 24 hours is public knowledge that 
someone like Chainlink or, or the meteorological service itself can publish over a blockchain. And we just use a smart contract to refer to this data. Now, if today when I get the bill, I need to check the information and reconcile it myself, if it's a smart contract taking the data directly from the meteorological service, I just, I can go auto pay yeah, on this bill. Of course. That's so, the future here. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about because I know that it snowed and I know that my driveway was cleared, but somebody has to verify how many days it snowed and how much money I owe you, right? So right. there is still a, as you said, a value add from a third party, but that third party itself, it's an important distinction, isn't necessarily a person. It's another smart contract. It's another, no, it's another smart contract. Yeah. The, the mechanic is exactly the opposite example where we would need to go to a physical mechanic with a physical car and, and he would need to upload his test result and that cannot be completely automated. That would be input the smart contract is waiting from a, an approved third party org. So interesting, so interesting. So, I mean, I, I know that we're starting to run up against time, unfortunately, because I feel like we could do this for another uh, three hours, but, uh, and maybe we will. By the way, know. we're missing <laughs> one thing. Go ahead, please, I, we, we I have time, work... it's totally up yeah, to you. No, no, I just no, no, wanna, no. yeah. One thing that I learned is that blockchain, maybe we should have done it, it's just the early hour, blockchain is best discussed over beer. We should have had a large <laughs> pint of beer in our hands and the discussion would even uh, flow better. Well, it's funny if you try to discuss uh, Bitcoin over beer, you try to explain it to someone who doesn't understand it and you've already consumed a keg before they start to even get the idea. It's, you know, it, it, that's one of, I think, the shortcomings is that um, you do an excellent job of it, actually, because you have practical real world examples that you continue to give that um, explain each of these applications. But I do find that to be a major barrier for entry um, is that most people either don't get it quickly or they just don't care yet. <laughs> First of all, I find that, the, that, that the, with the right explanation, people do get it uh, quickly. Um, do they not care yet? I, I, you need to look at the, you only need to look at the price of crypto over since COVID started. I agree. To, to see that this is, this is not the 2017 hype. We're talking about, in my eyes, a completely different, and, and, and just to be clear, not an investment advice in, in any kind, clear, right? But, but yeah. needs to say, we're talking about my personal opinions, not the EY opinions, et cetera, et cetera, all these disclaimers. Um, I believe that, that, that um, blockchain technology has evolved over since 2017 to these days, I, I believe, evolved dramatically. I believe that, that COVID only accelerates what happened. And, and you know, if you look, you know, the, let me give you another very nice example about Bitcoin that, that would maybe resonate. Um, I, I get sometimes this, this notion of, yes, but miners that are approving the transactions are diluting me as a Bitcoin holder because they get newly minted Bitcoin. If you look about the, at the dollars you're holding in the bank, 
with the trillions of dollars that are diluting the dollar value over the last year, this is, you know, not 10x, it's not even 100x. It's such uh, a dumb argument. It's a deflationary asset. I mean, we, we know the exact supply and we know exactly when it will hit the market and we know exactly where all of it is unless it's been lost. So yeah, it's such a dumb argument. And you just touched on it. I, I put a video on Twitter of myself just sort of like, vomiting ideas. Uh, I do this sometimes. But I said, you know, the most, uh, Sir John Templeton, the famous quote, this time it's the most dangerous four words in investing or this time it's different. And then I said, I dare say this time is different. In 2017, we had a speculative bubble, right? Your average person was buying something they didn't understand because somebody told them that they'd get rich and be able to sell it for more. This time we have that, like, it's not, we don't have that speculative FOMO we have people who are FOMOing in, if you want to call it, call, call it that, you know, fear of missing out, but to hold it, right? Yes. They're reducing supply. They're buying it because they see billionaires and the Michael Saylor's MicroStrategy, PayPal, Cash App. They see them all saying, listen, this is a store of value. This is where we're putting our money to stop our cash from bleeding value. We're going to fight inflation. So they're buying it with no intention of selling it. It's completely different. It's completely different. I, 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 I very much agree to, to that line of thought. I think that um, as a very conservative person myself, uh, looking, looking at the way governments deal with, with, uh, with the COVID crisis all around the world by just printing more and more money, I think it highly relates to the original Bitcoin use case and, and, and logic of, of taking this store of value away from government's control. What I'm not saying, and that's important, uh, I don't see a world where cryptocurrency is a wild, wild west ruled by drug dealers, weapon traffickers. If, if, If you look at the, what you need in order to invest in crypto today, if you are the average person, it is extremely similar to opening a bank account. KYC, KYC, KYC ML, they know everything ML. about you. Yeah. Right. So, so and, and, and again, back to the taxes issue. When you will sell this cryptocurrency, the reports will be there to make sure that you pay the accurate tax. Yeah, and we're paying way more taxes than everyone else. If you're a cryptocurrency trader, my God, every time you, you're drinking, a, you're having a coffee right now. If you bought that coffee with Bitcoin, you just sold your Bitcoin and have a taxable transaction. So yes, the notion that it's for criminals and all that is so absurd. The government just wants to get their taxes, right? And, so. and again, when I, I do believe that, that as, as time passes, um, governments will see more and more value in in doing these things. Let me give you one other example that I think is really interesting, uh, a a really interesting use of this technology that relates to how we see governments uh, uh, adopt the technology. So real real example, I will change the names of the countries, uh, but but real example that happened a few years ago, the European Union, I'm, I'm changing it, it, the entire name, so, but the, the use case is still real. The European Union gives $50 million to the United Nations to build 
uh, schools in Nigeria. It wasn't the United Nations, it wasn't Nigeria. Got it. Okay? Anyway, the, the UN gives the $50 million to the Nigerian uh, finance ministry, who gives the 50 million, starts distributing the money to the education ministry, to a transportation ministry. From there, it goes to various contractors. And long story short, two years later, the EU sends an audit committee to visit the schools the $50 million bought or euros. It doesn't matter. They find that that part is true. They find luxury cars. They find two houses in Lago di Garda. They don't find too many schools. Yeah. The money is long gone by the time they audit it. I'm sure all these organizations are doing a great job in auditing the money trails. But what we, are, we have done with blockchain is create... The, the, first of all, if you look at the five tests, the problem is that this is value-exchanging hands between multiple parties that don't trust each other. There is a business logic because you need to build schools with the money. And for example, so what we've done is create uh, an end-to-end track of where the money goes, provenance of the money. And we are able to connect it to KPIs. So a third party Oracle that would come to the site and upload 10% progress, 20% progress, etc. We are connecting it to business logics that, that for example would say, you cannot spend more than 10% of the money on salary. You cannot spend more than 5% on IT. We are, and we have literally created this single view of the provenance of the $50 million, and we did it in retroactive, but still on, on seven different projects like this, funding projects where we are able to show the funding organization what was done with the money in an immutable way. It's literally the opposite of what people think. They think that you would use cryptocurrency to be a scammer or a thief, but the cryptocurrency actually prevents the scammers and the thief from being able to perpetrate their dastardly acts. I mean, it's a total, words. total separate conversation, but like there's so yeah. much evidence of this, Afghanistan, Iraq, the United States government takes your tax dollars, they give it to a private company, that private company goes and buys 10,000 cars that have no use. They build a shopping mall in Iraq only for the only for the soldiers and they put in a McDonald's and they put in all these, you know, and they give all this money to the private businesses and none of the stuff gets used. I mean, we saw it over and over and over again. And I never even thought about it. This would prevent all of that. Three words, trust by transparency. That's what blockchain will bring to the world. And this is where there's so much resistance as well because there's so many today that benefit from the lack of transparency. And again, when I say transparency, I don't mean everybody gets to see everything. That's not what I mean. But those who are allowed to see information get a, a single view of entire ecosystems rather than the siloed information they get today. Absolutely. So interesting. I that, that is such an interest. I love that trust by transparency. I, 
I almost want to title the episode Trust by Transparency yes. with Chen's. <laughs> Let's do that. Either that or Internet of Value. It's going to be a tough one. I'll have to send them on. So <laughs> I think we've touched on basically everything here. And, and I really do feel like we could talk forever. So parting thoughts. You know, uh, well, I also want to ask you, and you can't answer this, but when does Ernst & Young put their treasury in Bitcoin? <laughs> I can give you a, a partial answer. We are seriously working on enabling, um, enabling these channels. Uh, it is, uh, uh, as, as you can imagine, a uh, uh, far from simple uh, endeavor. And we, we, Ernst Young has a lot of safeguards in place in order to make sure we do it right. But we are going through this gauntlet in order to, to make sure we are doing it right. And this is not something that, that um, is, is theoretical on paper. We will not do it until all our safeguards are, are, are answered and uh, when they are sure that this is safe and the right thing. But the first steps in that direction, we are already taking. I didn't think I would get that much of, a, of an answer from it, honestly. And it just, just reaffirms my thought process that once Sailor and MicroStrategy open the floodgates, that everybody's got to be considering it. They have to be. Every company, maybe it's uh, far-fetched and maybe, uh, honestly, maybe the market cap of Bitcoin is just not nearly big enough for them to even commit a significant amount of money to it. Maybe we just ha it has to be bigger first. But at this um, point... I, I wasn't... I, I, I wasn't talking about... I know about you're not saying you're not I, giving me I, I a commitment from Ersin Young. <laughs> no, no, more than that. I, I wasn't even talking about Bitcoin. I'm talking about using blockchain technology as a, a safe means to conduct business. Understood. As an example, simple example, not related to cryptocurrency at all, is can we agree with a customer uh, and enter a contract with a customer to receive to give services in order to receive funds using a smart contract. Can we do that instead of using a right. wet ink paper? That is the kind of things that, that right. we that's are- That's happening, uh, right. And inevitable as we've touched on. So yeah. par par parting thoughts, what, you know, if there's any more like a vision of the future, grand ideas that we somehow haven't discussed in this whirlwind. Grand, so, so, I think we we touched uh, uh, we touched on, on a lot of thoughts. What I would encourage people is is you know I describe a wonderful future. There's there's a road to get there. Uh, it would change the way we interact with government. It would change the way we interact with each other. It would make us trust code rather than trust uh, people, which is a good thing. It it, it could be. Uh, translated, it would increase our trust in people due to the ability to, that code will, will to, due to the trust that code will create. Um, I encourage you to learn. That, that, that would be my parting thought. From everything I said, if you are now a believer, the next action is not to run and buy Bitcoin. It's to run to as simple as YouTube, start typing a few keywords and learning. 
that that would be my parting thought. Absolutely agree. So, how can everybody keep up with you after this conversation? Um, so, so the easiest would be LinkedIn. Uh, uh, just ping me. I'll, I'll accept you as a, either follow me, accept you as as a friend, and uh, our activity over over uh, uh, blockchain is is uh, significantly shared there. That would okay. be the easiest. Well, thank you so much. Um, you're an exceptional guest. Uh, you really do put things in a manner, I think, that makes it easy to understand, and you have a discernible passion for for this, and it's uh, it's inspiring. So, I mean, I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm glad that we uh, had the opportunity to talk, and I can't wait to see what you guys are doing in you know a year, five years, ten years. Hopefully, you'll yeah, still be there in that position. We, we can we can uh, schedule a date for for six to twelve months from now to recap and talk about the progress that that this uh, uh, technology uh, made over this time. I would love to. We'll definitely do that. Thank you once again for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Let's go.